Hello, welcome to Old Testament Studies, an unacademic modern history. My name is Nick, and my goal is to bring Old Testament scholarship from the ivory towers of academia to the common language of every podcast listener. I want to break down the technical conversations and methods of analyzing the Old Testament so that everyone can be involved in the academic conversations about what the Old Testament is, where it came from, and what its message is. Each episode, I want to look at the life and academic contributions of one modern Old Testament scholar to understand how their ideas developed and show their impact on our understanding of the Old Testament. So this episode is about Thomas Morgan. In this first section, you are going to hear me talking about possibilities. Morgan's life really has more questions than answers, so I'm going to offer what most believe to be the most likely biography, but I will have several places where I leave it kind of open with multiple possibilities. So, let's start with the first question mark, date of birth. From all accounts, he came from a poor farming family, or at least a farming community, but nothing is really known about his parents, and some have even questioned if he was an orphan. The next question part here is the actual date of his birth, and some authors have claimed he was born in 1680, others have said 1690 or 1695. However, some sources, and specifically ones immediately after he died, cited that he was 71 years old when he died. Since we know the date that he died, that would actually put his birth around 1671 or 1672. This seems to be the most likely time that he was born, because his age at death comes from shortly after he died, whereas the other dates for his birth come from at least a couple hundred years after. Anyhow, Thomas Morgan is often said to have come from Bridgewater in the county of Somerset in England. However, others have claimed that he comes from Wales, as Morgan could be a Welsh surname. Still, others have said that he was Scottish and some that he came from France. The oldest sources say Bridgewater, but the Morgan family tradition says that they came from Wales. So I will leave that as an unknown. In the 1690s, most agree that he studied at Bridgewater Academy with a nonconformist school. That is to say that the school was Christian affiliation, but not Christian with the Church of England. So at the time, anyone outside of the Church of England would be considered nonconformist including Baptist, Quakers, Presbyterians, and other minority Christian traditions. Skip ahead for a few years, and the first actual records of Morgan are as a preacher in 1715 in Bruton in Somerset. He was an independent preacher, that is to say outside the Church of England, and when he started this position is unclear. The reason we know he is there in 1715 is he is listed as a preacher in a list of Presbyterian and independent churches compiled at that time. From this position, he sought to be ordained in the Presbyterian church, 
And in case you are wondering how this works, since he was already a preacher, the normal system at that time was that you would get licensed to preach and then become ordained so that you can have the full position of the pastorate. So he was just at step one, which is the preaching license, when he was at Bruton. In 1716, Morgan was ordained in Froome, which is right next to Bruton, and he was ordained by a Presbyterian minister named John Bowden. And the proceedings from his ordination are really the first documentation that we have about Morgan's life in any detail. In this document, which was later published in London, Morgan answers questions about his faith and life, which gives a little insight as to what his life was like at the time. One of the questions was whether he was married, and apparently he was not at the time of his ordination. So after he was ordained, he became a minister at Marlborough in Wiltshire. He got married during his time there, and they eventually had three children, one son, and two daughters. While at Marlborough, he published many pamphlets on theology and the church, in addition to his regular preaching and pastoral duties. The next big question mark in Morgan's life is when he was dismissed from the church in Marlborough, likely for heresy. Some have claimed in 1720 or soon after 1720, while others think that it was in 1726 or 1727, because he lived in Marlborough until 1727. However, our past podcast subject, William Whiston, references the recent dismissal of Morgan from his church in 1724, so it is likely that it happened either that year or close to it. The other question about this dismissal is why and how he was dismissed from the church. Some have claimed that his superiors removed him from the church, but from the documents at the time, it appears that the local church actually dismissed him. The reason for his dismissal was stated by our friend William Whiston to be that it was because he was an Arian, although Morgan in later letters seems to deny this. For those unfamiliar with traditional Christian heresies, Arius was a 3rd century monk who denied that Jesus was divine. So the heresy is that Jesus is a created being, but not part of the Godhead on the same level as the Father and the Spirit. Though Whiston claims that he was dismissed because of heresy, it could also have been because Morgan was summoned to the House of Lords on a charge of libel in 1724. The affidavit for him to appear in response to a complaint about a work that he had published was delivered to Morgan in Marlborough. We actually have the document stating who the mail carrier was that delivered that particular document. However, there aren't any records that he actually went to the House of Lords or what happened during that time if he did go. Anyhow, at some point during this time, Morgan had also studied medicine because he published a book on the principles of medicine in 1725, and he had begun calling himself 
a doctor of medicine in 1724. He is also mentioned in the registers of Marshall College at the University of Aberdeen in 1738 as having been educated at the University of Glasgow. Sometime in 1727, Morgan left Marlborough and moved to Bristol. We know that he changed locations because a book that he published in 1727 said he is in Bristol, not in Marlborough anymore. They often gave the location of the author in their books. So during this time in Bristol, he apparently practiced medicine among the Quakers, but it is unlikely that he actually became a Quaker himself. And he seems to have lived in Bristol until about 1735, but there isn't a lot of records about what he was doing during that time. Perhaps he was still practicing medicine, but we don't know. However, in 1735, based upon his location in one of his publications, he was living in London. By 1740, Morgan lived in Union Court, Broad Street in London, and he died on Broad Street on January 14th in 1743. According to the Gentleman's Magazine, it was with, quote, a true Christian resignation, end quote. He was 71 years old at the time, and his death was actually announced in a ton of different journals, academic journals, throughout Europe. But it seems that though he was well-known, he was fairly impoverished as his widow was reported to be in dire straits after his death. So, with the questionably accurate account of his life, let's take a quick break and then get into the Old Testament work that Thomas Morgan wrote. Welcome back. So Thomas Morgan's view of the Old Testament is overwhelmingly negative. Morgan would have claimed himself to be Christian, but he rejected the first half of the Bible and honestly reinterpreted the New Testament in a fairly unorthodox way. His Arianism might be questionable, but there is no doubt that he fell into the Marcion heresy. If you are unfamiliar with Marcion, he was another early church writer, but he claimed that only a handful of New Testament books were inspired, and so most of the current New Testament and all of the Old Testament were worthless books. So back to Thomas Morgan. Other podcast subjects have talked about natural religion and revealed religion. Each of them tried to understand the relationship between these concepts. The problem is that many of the deist-leaning writers claimed that natural religion, or natural laws, are important, but then revealed religion, like the Bible, is useless. 
It doesn't add anything to the already complete natural law. Well, Morgan took this idea and ran. His big work is called The Moral Philosopher, and this is a fictional dialogue between what he calls a Christian deist and a Christian Jew. He considers himself a Christian deist, and so is trying to prove the Christian Jew wrong. We will get to what he means by Christian Jew a little further on. So, Morgan's concept of natural religion and Christianity has a few steps in it. First, Morgan claimed that true Christianity was natural religion. Instead of claiming that they are separate, Morgan believes that Christianity is natural religion. In order to do this, anything historical must be done away with. Remember that natural religion is everywhere at all times and not a special revelation to an individual or small group or even large group. It is present to all people. So anything historical in Christianity must be taken out so that it can be universal. The biggest problem for this view is the Old Testament because it's hugely historical. Every part of the Old Testament is about events and laws and kings and prophets within one small group of people in the ancient Near East. As Morgan claims, quote, there are and always have been two sorts or species of religion in the world. The first is the religion of nature, which consisting in the eternal, immutable rules and principles of moral truth, righteousness, or reason has always been the same, and must forever be alike apprehended by the understandings of all mankind, as soon as it comes to be fairly proposed and considered. But besides this, there is another sort or species of religion, which has been commonly called positive, institute, or revealed religion, as distinguished from the former. And to avoid circumlocution, I call this the political religion or the religion of the hierarchy." End quote. Thomas Morgan not only wants to separate true Christianity from the historically contingent Old Testament, he claims that the Old Testament is political religion and specifically a corruption of natural religion. In other words, it is not only incorrect, but harmful. Morgan even claims that, quote, no two religions in the world can be more inconsistent and irreconcilable than Judaism and Christianity, end quote. But let's go a little bit further back in history. So the Old Testament and New Testament are irreconcilable. But as we've seen before, the most ancient people knew natural religion. If you remember some of our previous conversations about primitive Christianity, Morgan claims something similar to that. During the most ancient times, people believed in the pure religion of God without corruption. However, politics and priesthood and idolatry and superstition twisted this true religion of nature into something corrupted. 
For Morgan, this happened specifically in Egypt. Some claimed that Egypt taught Moses and Israelites ancient wisdom, but for Morgan, it is Egypt that messed them up and caused them to lose the pure faith, or furthered them down the road of losing the pure faith, perhaps. As Morgan said, Egypt was, quote, the mother of superstition, the parent and patroness of new gods, and the mistress of idolatry throughout the world. Every new god was a new revenue to the priests, and all nations received their gods from Egypt. So under this state of blindness, obstinacy, and moral wickedness, Moses brought them out of Egypt, and in the same condition, God left them at last. After their going out of Egypt, they could scarce be paralleled by any other nation upon earth for their gross ignorance, superstition, and moral wickedness, which ran through all their successive generations till their final dissolution and destruction, while with a most amazing stupidity and impudence, they continued to claim the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant as God's peculiar people. End quote. Yes, that was a little bit harsh, perhaps a lot harsh, but that is the tone of Morgan's writing, unfortunately. So clearly Morgan had no love for the Israelite religion. He actually has the most dislike for Moses and the Mosaic law. Morgan's issue is that the law is not the perfect law of nature, but a specific temporal law. In other words, it is a political tool, not God's divine revelation, that all of nature is able to see. As he states, quote, It was not only the abuses of this law, but the law itself, that was carnal, worldly, and deadly, a most intolerable yoke or cruel bondage, and a constitution that could serve only to blind and enslave those that were under it, end quote. Also, the prophets that come later in Israelite history were, quote, accommodating themselves to the passions, prejudices, and rooted superstition of the nation or people to whom they were sent, end quote. One of his big issues for the law was also that it was only external and not spiritual. As Morgan claimed it, quote, could only extend to outward actions and thereby secure civil virtue and the civil rights and properties of the society against such fraud or violence as might fall under a human cognizance, providing no sufficient remedy against any such immoralities, excesses, and debaucheries in which a man might only make a fool or beast of himself without directly hurting his neighbor or injuring his society, end quote. So the law is really insufficient for anything like the spiritual law of nature. It is purely to make society run well, and it doesn't even do that very well, and it does nothing for the morals of the individual. So the last part is what we do with the New Testament, since clearly Jesus and the apostles reference the Old Testament all the time. For Morgan, 
The answer is to reject most of the New Testament. He claims that the Apostle Paul advocated for reason and natural religion. He also claims that Jesus came to reinstitute ancient natural religion. We've heard this kind of return to primitive Christianity in previous podcasts. However, the rest of the apostles misunderstood Jesus accidentally or intentionally twisted Jesus's message because they wanted to appeal to the Jews. So they kept some Jewish practices and made it seem like the law was good so that they could appeal to Jewish people and not offend them. So as much as the Old Testament is incorrect, the New Testament is also largely suspect because the apostles were twisting the two message to appeal to the Jews. So here is the challenge that Morgan has. He wants a religion that aligns with his view of the law of nature. For this, he must remove everything historical. However, he goes beyond just removing the historical Old Testament. The Israelites received a twisted view of religion from Egypt. However, he even criticized the patriarchs. Abraham was irrational, and the offering of his son Isaac was fictional. The law of Moses was a political tool entirely concerned with the physical and not the spiritual. The prophets were fortune tellers or politicians who used spiritual claims for political or social gain. Any miraculous activities of these prophets were dubious, if not entirely made up fraudulent stories. In short, Morgan claims that the laws of the Old Testament were used to enslave the Israelite people and maintain political control and even incite them to war with their surrounding nations. Because he had such a negative view of the Old Testament law and practices, he wanted to separate the Old Testament from the New Testament. In order to do this, he claimed that the New Testament authors were pandering to the Jewish people of their day, and so he had to see what Jesus was really trying to do. Morgan specifically divided between the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, claiming that Peter's Judaizing view won over most of the early church, and that is why the Old Testament is still in the Christian canon, as well as many of the Jewish-flavored New Testament books that Morgan would prefer not be there. For Morgan, the goal of true Christianity is strictly to follow the law of nature. As Morgan wrote, quote, We ought to thank God for being delivered from the vassalage and darkness of Judaism as from paganism itself. End quote. So I want to end by admitting that Thomas Morgan includes a lot of anti-Semitic speech in his works. Some of what I quoted leads towards anti-Semitism, even if it isn't fully, fully there, though comparing Jewish people to beasts or calling them stupid definitely qualifies as anti-Semitic to me. Morgan was a product of his time, and during his day, anti-Semitism was the rule rather than the exception. This is not a positive view of Morgan by any means or an excuse for his honestly disgusting comments that he makes about Jewish people, the Old Testament, and Jewish religion of his day. But if you read further on him, be prepared 
for some really unpleasant descriptions of Judaism and Jewish people. Know that part of his view of the Old Testament informs his view of Judaism, and I would say even the other direction, his view of Jewish people in his day informs his negative view of the Old Testament. So this is where I will leave us. Thomas Morgan believed true Christianity was the same as natural religion. In order to claim this, any historical references had to be discarded. That includes all the Old Testament and much of the New Testament. In addition to this removal of history, Morgan claimed that the Old Testament was actually harmful and the law and prophets used political religion to enslave the people. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening. Also, come back in two weeks for Julius Bate. Thank you for listening to Old Testament Studies and Unacademic Modern History. If you'd like to contact me with episode ideas, questions, comments, or just deeper discussion about Old Testament or ancient Hebrew linguistics and scholarship, feel free to email me at modern. Old Testament studies at gmail.com. Again, thanks for listening. <laughs>